A few days ago, I was in the church office, and I saw our beloved Anita Jarvis, and I said to Anita that this morning I would be talking a bit about rock and roll, to which she responded, oh, yuck. (laughs) We are nearing the end of our summer-long sermon series on exemplars of faith, just two weeks remaining, and today's inspiring illustration of Christian faith, inspiring illustration of the gospel, is the rock band U2, especially its lead singer, Bono. What was the defining band, or who was uh, the defining musician of your generation? Anyone? The Beatles, says Anne. And you're a boomer. Bob Dylan. Nirvana? Nirvana. Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, says Brian. My guess is for a lot of you, especially those of you who are boomers, and I know a lot of you are boomers, the Beatles were the defining band of your uh, generation, as uh, Anne said. You too is the defining band of my generation, Gen X, without a doubt. Here's a picture of you two, a photo of the band. Yes, you can look like that and be Christian. <laughs> At least three of the four members of you two are Christians, with Bono being the most outspoken. He's very public about his Christian faith. You two's faith has attracted so much attention that a book has been written about it by a theologian named Greg Garrett. The book is titled, We Get to Carry Each Other, The Gospel According to You Too. I think I have a picture of that book as well. Here it is. Greg Garrett wrote this book a couple years ago, and I recommend it. It's a fascinating read, very readable, and it's an insightful uh, cultural analysis from a Christian perspective focusing on U2's uh, work. The book looks at both their lyrics, the lyrics of their songs, which often echo scripture uh, or touch on biblical themes, and it also looks at their social activism, their work for the common good. Bono and friends have been especially concerned about social injustices, and their words in both their songs and their interviews frequently recall those of the biblical prophets. Isaiah is one of the best known of the biblical prophets. In their book, Kingdom Ethics, ethicists Glenn Stassen and David Gushy observe that Jesus quoted from the book of Isaiah more than any other book. It was a favorite resource, theological resource, of Jesus himself. Isaiah is best known for its messianic prophecies, that is, statements that point forward to Jesus. But most of Isaiah is not messianic prophecies. Most of Isaiah speaks the truth about the present, about Isaiah's present. And comments about the future are usually threatening judgment on people who ignore or perpetuate present-day social injustices. 
Isaiah chapter 1, verses 11 through 23 is representative of much of this book. It begins on page 630 of the Old Testament in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to read along. As Mary mentioned in her children's message, uh, the prophets were regarded as mouthpieces of God. So Isaiah is here claiming to speak for God. When you hear the pronoun I, it's referring to God. Chapter 1, verse 11. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, your animal sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Prophets are often provocative. Provocatively, the Old Testament prophets started to impugn, started to call into question the sacrificial system, which was at the heart of Israel's worship. And Jesus picks up on this prophetic critique. For example, he teaches in the Gospel of Matthew, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, restorative justice, trumps sacrifice, specifically animal sacrifice. Verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies, worship services, with iniquity, with sin or injustice. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. In short, regular worship and prayer are not enough to please God. What then is needed? Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. What is justice? What does this heavy term mean? The Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms defines justice as follows. Classically, the concept of each person receiving what is due. Biblically, the emphasis is on right relationships 
and persons receiving a share of the resources of society. Concern is expressed for the oppressed and their right treatment. Justice is related to love and grace. And grace is undeserved love. We hear this emphasis, we hear this understanding of justice in Isaiah. Listen again. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. In other words, restore the downtrodden to right relationship with society. That's biblical justice. Verse 18. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. What a great line. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. God is up for a good argument. You are free to argue with God. God wants a real relationship with us, a genuine relationship, an authentic relationship. And real relationships include arguments, right? Argue it out, says the Lord. Many of U2's songs do this. They have arguments with God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. Harsh words. In view here is the coming invasion of Israel by the Babylonians. When this invasion comes, Isaiah interprets it as God's judgment on Israel, on his own people, for their injustices. You shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become a whore. She that was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her. But now, murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your wine is mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not defend the orphan, and the widow's cause does not come before them. Orphans and widows had two strikes against them in ancient society. First, they were considered second-class citizens. They were considered uh, second-class citizens because children and women in general were considered second-class citizens. And second, the second strike against them was that they were poor. In a patriarchal society, when you lost the male head of household, you lost your provider. So the fatherless and the husbandless were uh, in jeopardy of poverty. Isaiah is especially concerned, therefore, about orphans and widows. Isaiah's call is to God's people. Isaiah calls God's people to carry each other, to pick up the downtrodden, to pick up neighbors in need. In interviews and other public comments, in their activism and in their music, you too has shown a faith informed by the biblical prophetic tradition. Here are some quotes 
from Bono, U2's lead singer. First from an interview. The Jesus Christ that I believe in was the man who turned over the tables in the temple and threw the money changers out. Substitute TV evangelists if you like. There is a radical side to Christianity that I am attracted to. And I think without a commitment to social justice, it is empty. And here's another quote from a sermon Bono gave at the National Prayer Breakfast. God is with the vulnerable and the poor. God is in the slums, the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunity and lives. And God is with us if we are with them. U2's activism, their work for social justice, also exhibits their Christian faith. And this work for social justice is captured well by a conversation in a bar between Bono and Bill Gates. As you probably know, Bill Gates is the founder of Microsoft and the wealthiest person in the world. He has also become one of the world's greatest philanthropists. One of the reasons he has become so generous with his wealth is this conversation with Bono. Here's how Gates recounts the conversation. A few years ago, I was sitting in a bar with Bono, and frankly, I thought he was a little nuts. It was late, we'd had a few drinks, and Bono was all fired up over a scheme to get companies to help tackle global poverty and disease. He kept dialing the private numbers of top executives and thrusting his cell phone at me to hear their sleepy yet enthusiastic replies. As crazy as it seemed that night, Bono's persistence soon gave birth to the Red Campaign. Today, companies like Gap, Hallmark, and Dell sell Red-branded products and donate a portion of their profits to fight AIDS. Microsoft recently signed up, too. It's a great thing. The companies make a difference while adding to their bottom line. Consumers get to show their support for a good cause. And, most important, lives are saved. In the past year and a half, Red has generated $100 million for the Global Fund to fight AIDS, helping put nearly 80,000 people in poor countries on life-saving drugs and helping more than 1.6 million get tested for HIV. Finally, there's U2's music. Many of their songs contain echoes of Scripture, including the song, One. This song was used several years ago as part of an AIDS awareness campaign, and it has more recently become the theme of the One Campaign, a movement to eradicate global poverty. 
The song starts out as a typical breakup song, but near its end, it echoes both the commandment to love one another and Ephesians chapter 4. Here is one. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You say, one love, one life. When it's one need in the night. I'm 
that song before. Many of you, most of you. We get to carry each other. Note how you too goes a step further than the prophet Isaiah. It's not just about duty or obedience taking care of each other. It's a privilege. It's a joy. We get to carry each other. In the late 1980s, I was a high school student in Arizona when U2 came to town for a concert, big concert in Sun Devil Stadium. And at the time, there was still debate in Arizona about whether Martin Luther King Jr. Day should be a holiday. Heated debate. Bono received death threats saying that if he sang the song Pride in the Name of Love, which is a song about Jesus and MLK, he would be shot. When the time came in the concert to sing the song, Bono closed his eyes, started to sing, and hoped for the best. When he opened his eyes, he saw his guitarist standing in front of him, shielding him. We get to carry each other. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.